ready to sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth. Let's gnaw on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host. It's not just, I have faith and someday I'm going to use it. No, it's God's got to give you the grace and the faith. And the way he does that, again, this simultaneous kind of stuff happening, is he gives you that faith through the preaching of his word. Okay? Uh, we could just go on and on and on there. Yeah, that's a, uh, we could stay in, in, in that, just that chapter of Romans for a long, long time. I had one question. Uh, when it talks about uh, how can they hear without a preacher, is he talking about the role of pastor there, or what is, uh, is it exclusively a pastor? No, no, that, that's an excellent question. That is an excellent question. Uh, I think there are some people who would, who would push that as you know, only a preacher can, can do this uh, and to, to, because they fear people just going off and doing their own thing, which is a legitimate concern. But I think, uh, and I haven't looked up the Greek word, so I, I can't promise, but I would say the word there is uh, anyone who's heralding the good news of Christ. Right. Okay? To be saved, you must hear the word of Christ and that word must be shared by uh, people. There's a passage in the book of Psalms, I can't remember chapter and verse, but it says, uh, uh, I think it's, I'm going to get in trouble, so I'll, I'll just tell you it's in the book of Psalms, but he okay. says, the Lord gave the word, great was the company of those who published it. Great was the company of those who proclaimed, proclaimed who spread it. The, the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so when it talks about in Romans, they that, how shall they preach? Uh, Paul may be specifically mentioning an actual ministry emphasis, but he would not preclude the possibility of people hearing it through uh, your witness or my witness or the witness of, of anyone telling them the good news of the gospel mm -hmm. and, and being rescued by that. This is some good stuff. It is. Good stuff. Dr. Ferguson goes on, and of course he asks the question, what is faith? And that's what we're looking at, faith in, in Christ. He says, faith is a great biblical word, but its currency has been taken over by religious language in general. So do you think the word faith has lost its true meaning in our, in our culture? I do think that, and, and it's like we've said about a lot of things. The word Christian it's totally meaningless today because there are so many people who claim to be a Christian. Uh, we need a different word to describe the followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. Remember that the word Christian in the, in the first century uh, was originally used uh, in Antioch, according right. to the book of Acts. But many people have pointed out, including John MacArthur, that the word was probably was not a compliment. It was, you know, those people followed that dead guy. That's what they meant by it. It was it was derogatory. It was wow. it was a a, a a a word of diminishing. So uh, we need today a different word for Christian, but we also need different language, and there's no way to do that. So why we have to fight to make sure people understand the right purpose? But you go out the door and ask people if they believe, if they have faith in God. Almost many people, many 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 people. Will say, of course, I have faith in God. They, they right. just, but, but they don't. What they're, what they're describing as faith in God, is nothing like what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Again, about 
trusting who God is. And, and do you believe, do you have faith in God? Yes, I do. Tell me what that means. And many of them could not say, well, it means that God is faithful, that he loves us, that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. All they could say is, well, uh, there's this, I mean, you know, there's this thing we call God, and, and he loves everybody. Mm -hmm. And there, there's, that's not faith. That's not biblical faith. Exactly. Dr. Ferguson said that other religions are described as other faiths. Now, I don't know if he's talking about by Christians or by people in general, but uh, why is that wrong to do? Okay, so that's wrong because one of the reasons it's wrong is because it does imply that all of these faiths are, are good. I remember once when I was driving a drink truck, and this one, I, I mean, at least my wife just and I just first got married 40 years ago. And this woman at the store where I was delivering drinks, she found out that I was a, a, I had done some past preaching, you know. And she says, well, what faith are you? And I said, Christian faith. And I thought she was going to fall on the ground. I mean, she got this look on her face that was, that is so, well, for me, there is only one faith. It's Christian mm -hmm. faith. The rest of it is religion. Right. But you hear this interfaith dialogue. As though the Muslim faith and the Jewish faith and the uh, Buddhist faith are just different variations on the same thing. They're not. Okay, mm -hmm. Those groups do not have what the Bible describes as faith, which again isn't just this uh, feeling or this bubble of mush. It's a real concrete, I believe certain things about God based upon what he has said about himself. I'm not making things up and, and that kind of stuff. Well, to help us uh, understand faith, Dr. Ferguson breaks it down into three, three parts. Uh, number one, he says faith is knowledge. He said faith is dependent on what can be known about God. And then he quotes John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then he quotes Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And he says knowledge involves fellowship. Uh, and he also likens uh, this to a husband and wife. So how, how is fellowship and knowledge, knowledge fit together? along with faith? Well, I'm going to say that, so this would be the way I would answer that question. I would say that knowledge of who God is and who we are in Him will draw us together in fellowship. We will not be out there on our own in a world that despises truth. Okay, mm -hmm. We're going to gather together. We're going to, uh, we're going to connect rely upon, interact mm -hmm. in these ways. Now, let's take a moment with the, the concept of knowledge. Um, again, we, we have this problem where people think faith, I believe. Mm -hmm. But in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, and Paul quotes it in the New Testament, he says, let him that boasts, boast in this, that he knows me, that I know the Lord. He doesn't say that you believe in me, 
but that you know me, know something about me based upon my revelation in the Word. Right. Um, so that, that's where the knowledge comes in, and we're commanded to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter says. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. So this is another area where people have short-circuited themselves or, 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 or deprived themselves by rejecting the knowledge. Oh, I, just as long as I believe. I believe. Right. Yeah. Or, or a lot of people will go to churches because it makes them feel good. Now, I've heard people say, well, I go to this church because I like the music that they have there and it makes me feel, right. I feel right at home right. there. Or I go because this pastor, his messages are so loving, you know, I feel good right. there. But I think I've asked you before. It's it's more than a feeling. It's right? it's it's much it's, more than a feeling. Because if we're really talking about God, sometimes the feelings aren't going to be good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes conviction, as we talked about, that recurring conviction, comes to us. Sometimes, uh, we as Scott Rich uh, Wetzel, <laughs> Scott Wetzel said Sunday morning that the children have to be prodded to move up to to solid food. Right. That we don't want to go to that. So there are times when you come to church and the message is not going to make you feel good. It's going to challenge your sin, your failings, your, your disappointments, your, your, the fact that you're not living as you should to, uh, to be able to rejoice in the last day with, with fruit from your labors. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things where people, and many of those people you're mentioning would be glad to say, Oh, I believe. I've got faith. Mm -hmm. I've got faith. And you see these bumper stickers that say, Believe. Believe, as though that just believe, the, the act of belief is sufficient. No, you have to believe something about Christ, about God, about his word. Not, and that only comes from growing in the knowledge of his word. And you can't believe something that you know absolutely nothing about, can you? No. I mean, I, I don't, think, I don't no. think I could. No. That's when I say to people when they say, well, I believe in God. What do you believe about God? Mm -hmm. That's the next question. What do you believe about God? Not Don't tell me you believe in God. Tell me what you believe about him. And that will soon show us what we do or don't know. Now, we have to be careful right here because I can hear people saying, well, you guys are acting like we've got to be theologians before we get saved. No, what we're saying is that once you are saved, there should be this growth in the, knowledge, the relationship that you're in with God now should bring you to a place where you know things about him mm -hmm. from his word. And that's what we're talking about. So now, faith should be life-changing. Life-changing, yes. Life-changing. Yes. Dr. Ferguson says that it's not just knowledge, but a knowledge that brings us into immediate contact with God himself. Right. So knowledge by itself, I mean, is like a like feelings right. by themselves. Right. So that knowledge must, like he said, bring us into immediate contact right. with God. Well, and you can see that by how many people out there today who have gone through seminary. They've gone through seminary. They're pastoring a church somewhere, but they have no relationship with God. They have no relationship with God. I I, I encourage folks to look up. Logic under fire, okay? Logic on fire or under fire? I think it's logic on fire. Okay. It's a documentary about 
Martin Lloyd-Jones, who pastored uh, Westminster Chapel mm -hmm. in England, London, England, for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in that uh, video is a reference to his wife, who had sat under his ministry for decades, mm -hmm. and one day she realized, I'm not a Christian. That's an example of someone who has it. She's sitting in she's sitting in a church, one of the most well-known preachers of that time and even now, sitting in that church, listening to this week after week, and yet had never been saved herself. And that's what we have. You have the knowledge, mm -hmm. but but it's not it's not bringing you into contact with God. It's you're, you're still something's not right. So that's a, that's the best example I can give. So you that. can have a head full of knowledge and an empty heart. Right. You can or say an unchanged heart. Right. You can say, you can say, uh, that you know all these things and never be changed by them. Right. And or we can go to the book of James. Faith without works is, is dead. Is dead. dead. Is dead. Nobody wants a dead faith. No. Not no. Really. Not anyone I know, but 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 that's and that's a that's a great example and it's absolutely true. And I should probably leave it there, but I'm a ramble moment more no, because she would consider herself to be a person with works. Mm -hmm. She's going to church regularly. Oh, She's involved true. in the life of the church. She's oh. married to a pastor. But so even that passage is is a guideline that doesn't give us all the information we need because you can have the works. That seem to be faith works mm -hmm. and really not be a, a believer. So just as knowledge by itself is not enough, uh, feelings are not enough, works are not enough either. No, there, there will be works, but we must make sure that the works are consistent with the revelation of the word. But the way I would also say it is, do any of my works bring me into conflict with the world? Okay. Do they bring me into conflict with the world? Because the only way I can know that I'm really, well, I shouldn't say it like that. One of the ways that I can know that I'm truly a follower is whether anything I say, anything I believe, anything I stand for, anything I participate in rubs the world the wrong way. Okay? Mm -hmm. You can be a member of a, an Elks Club or any number of other uh, civic groups and get the accolades of men. Right. But are you going to stand up in that group and say, no, that's wrong. I, I don't believe that. that. That's not what the Bible teaches. And we need, we need to be, for all the people out there who say, I'm a true Christian, I challenge them about that. What are you trying to do that's, that the world is going to despise? And not talking about just being an ugly person. Taking a stand for Christ where the world is really going to say, uh, we don't like you. Mm, right. And... and and that's, that's one of the things. We have to be careful there because, again, that's a, that might be, quote, I don't think it is, but it's a unique situation at, at the very least for a person to be in that. I, I, although I've had other people, we've had people in our church that have testified that they, they went to church and then all of a sudden they realized something's different. And it was because they had never really been saved. They'd just mm -hmm. been going through the religious motions. It, it, it's amazing how God works in the hearts of, of people, men, uh, right. men, women, children. Yeah, amen. It's incredible. Well, so faith is knowledge. Uh, 
Number two, he says faith is assent or approval or agreement. Uh, he says faith involves recognizing certain things are true, which I think you've touched on. Right. Um, he also brings out Saul of Tarsus. And uh, I wanted to I wanted to ask you, he, he quotes B.B. Warfield, and I wanted to ask you about that quote, if there's anything about that quote you wanted to bring out. Uh, uh, if not, there's an example or something or, that he gives at the end of his quote. I was wondering if you could read that for us and kind of explain it to You're us. talking about from the for-example spot? Yeah, the for-example spot right, right there. there yeah. Yes, He says, the criminal that wants to evade justice arraigned before a judge whom he believes to be just and fair may, be, may do everything in his power to do away with the judge, but why? Because he trusts him. And right. the, the point is that this man believes things about this judge he believes he's going to get a fair trial. He's going to get a fair representation, a fair hearing before the law. Mm -hmm. uh, and that frightens him. It does, because he truly believes mm -hmm. what, he, what he's saying. You know, we've talked about it. Different people have said this. You, you, people live what they believe. And this is where the assent comes in. Mm -hmm. you, you don't really believe something if you never trust it or depend on it or lean on it, and C.S. Lewis said in a, in a different book, he said it's easy to tie a rope around a, a, a few books and say you trust the rope. Mm -hmm. But he said if you use the same rope to hang off a cliff, you see, and that's the ascent part. That's where you've, you, you, you've come to a place where you know this is true, you've accumulated the data if you want, but you now are committing yourself to that and that's 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 the kind of ascent this is true this is true and I therefore trust in it and that that's the concept of faith again you've got the knowledge now I'm gonna trust the knowledge and and go from there can someone be convinced um, when presented with the knowledge against their and not really want to I think there's a, a good example in the Bible that he brings out uh, in Saul of Tarsus. Yeah, well, there, there. This is this this is a, a a bigger point, but people will often say, especially when you're dealing with reform doctrines, people will say, "Well, now God's not going to force me to believe," and what they don't realize is that 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 any time a person comes to faith in Christ, they really are being overpowered by the evidence. Okay, mm -hmm. so either you're either you're just believing because it feels good. That doesn't separate us from Mormonism. The Mormon religion is based upon the belief you pray God to give you the warming of your heart. That proves the Book of Mormon's true, and off you go. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's not what we're called to do uh, in the Christian Church. And God must overpower our sin, our rebellion, and that's the example that that um, is in the Bible is, is Paul. Mm -hmm. Paul is bent. Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul the Apostle, he's bent on oppressing, rejecting, uh, uh, opposing the church. And yet God interrupts him on his way to Damascus 
with an overpowering light that strikes him blind for three days. That is an example of God overcoming a person's faith and trust in themselves and their unbelief and, and drawing them to himself mm-hmm. in salvation. And so many people in our culture, you know, we're talking about all the wrong beliefs that people have. And you hear this, I have free will. I have free will. Well, the problem with that, and it's true to a point, the problem is if you are left to your own free will, you're going to end up in hell. Because you will not choose God. The Bible's clear that we do not choose God by our own preference. Jesus, in that wonderful passage of John chapter 3, that everybody wants to trot out 316, God so loved the world. But they don't read down to, to 18 and 19 where Jesus says, He that believes is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already. Because he does, and he said, this is the condemnation. Light came into the world and the world preferred darkness. Mm-hmm. So the idea that I can freely choose God is not biblical. God must do something. And at times, he overpowers our opposition with the greatness of his name or his power or, or whatever. He shows us. And that is a violation, a quote-unquote, that is forcing us to a decision, if you will, about him. Mm-hmm. Well, when you were explaining that, um, I don't watch a lot of TV, but uh, I watched a movie the other night. Uh, it's called The Green Mile, I believe. I'm, I'm sure. Have you I've, seen I've, that? I've seen it, yes. Well, of course, it's about being on death row. And in one of the scenes, they're walking the man to his execution, and one of the guards is saying, dead man walking, dead man walking. So the lost, that's that yes. describes the lost. They're dead men or walking. dead women, right? dead children yeah. walking. Yes. The, the idea of a zombies was not created by Hollywood. <laughs> it's <laughs> biblical, man, because we're all dead. We're dead men. Well, going on, uh, Dr. Ferguson says, faith is more than assent, but it's never less than assent. And then he uh, goes to John 20, 27 through 29, and tells us uh, about Tom, down at Doubting Thomas. Uh, that reads, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hand, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, in, in this verse in John, he's talking about doubting Thomas, and he talked earlier about Saul of Tarsus. So we see two totally different ways that someone came to what I would call believing faith. Right. Or saving faith. Right. Know. It could be said in, in that manner as well. So, no one is there. We're not carbi, carbon copy no. Christians. No. No, that's an, and that's an excellent point that God does use different ways to bring each of us to Christ. And our experience might be completely different from the person next to us. Mm-hmm. This, again, is, is part of our, our problem with mass evangelization. I get 50,000 people in a room and say, pray this prayer. Yeah. Now you're all Christians. That's, that's, that's patently wrong because God's 
you, you can't, only God can tell what's going on in the heart of those people. But, but that is, again, the kind of thing that we can miss in these discussions completely. There's more room to talk about that, but, but yeah, that's a danger that, mm -hmm. that we just think, okay, you got, I got saved this way. That's the way it should happen for you. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a huge mistake yeah, to make. Yeah. He goes on, uh, number three, faith is trust in Christ. So we see the word trust again. He says that this is the heart of faith, trust in Christ. And he quotes John 2, 23. And that reads, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, and there's that but, that says Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. Could you help us better understand this verse? Well, uh, because yeah. it's a bit confusing. Well, John, in John's gospel, you see this quite often where John is referring to people's belief in an ironic sense, okay? They say they believe, they claim to have belief, but they don't have any belief. Mm -hmm. And so John even has words in Jesus' mouth sometimes uh, that seem to be affirming faith, but are actually highlighting the, the, the inconsistency of, of, of faith. Um, and, and it's in another one of those passages, and I will take a moment here because I don't want to misquote it. In, a, in an effort to answer your question. Uh, John chapter, chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they, the Jews who believed him, him answered, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And then he goes on talking to these same people who then begin to threaten him with death. Mm -hmm. So John is saying there's an irony here that people who claim to believe in Christ really do not believe in it. And that's part of what he's touching on there, that Jesus knows who does and doesn't really believe. And he's not going to commit himself to people who don't, who, who in their hearts, regardless of what they say, in their hearts they don't believe. And that, that goes back to what I said Sunday about that passage, which is always misquoted. The Lord looks on the heart. <laughs> you better know he does. Yeah. And he knows whether in your heart you're really, you know, saved and, and sincere, genuine, or whether you're just playing a, a, a religious game. Yeah, when you say that, that should put strike fear into your heart. So, yeah. so to answer your question, that's John does that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his, in the way he frames... The, the ongoing interaction with the Pharisees and others is that sometimes it's irony. It's not a real faith. Mm -hmm. he's, he's using it as, a, as a, ironically, these people didn't have what they claimed they did. Right. It's that sort of thing. To be continued, we will continue this conversation in the next episode. And it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.